0: Welcome to Marari Unmuted, a podcast about music, life, and finding new ways to engage the next generation of performer and chamber musician.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Marari Unmuted. Um, today, we have decided to change it up just a little bit, and we did a poll on social media asking what people... We're interested in hearing us talk about and sharing, and so this is. I was really excited about this. We actually got quite a bit of feedback. I thought we got some really good questions, some really good points. Um, we have really smart listeners, so that's really exciting. There was some like really great stuff to choose from, Kudos um, to and us. so that's right. <laughs> Yay! And thank you for everybody who contributed to that. Um, oh, certainly you can follow us on fa- on Facebook and Instagram, and if you do have any questions, drop them there. And we'll be happy to answer them. Um, so. The one that we went with today, um, which is really exciting, um, it was from actually a colleague of mine, a really good friend uh, who is an art professor at UT Martin. His name is Jason Stout. And his question was, um, or what he requested was, can you discuss a piece of music that changed your life or how you thought about music? It doesn't have to be your favorite piece or the best piece, but something that was a game changer. And I thought this was such a great question because there are so many ways that you can come at this. And um, I know for me, it was really, really hard (laughs) to narrow it down. Um, But yeah, so this is so great. And I feel like this is something that we can all relate to, whether you're a music amateur or music connoisseur. I think everybody's got like just like these couple of pieces or, you know, a piece amongst many that really spoke to you and kind of changed how you uh, listen to music, thought about music, performed music. Uh, collaborated whatever Um, so this I think is a really really great question so thanks Jason This is a great question all right so
2: how about we have Stephanie kick it off what what's the piece that was a game changer for you sure Um, this was I sat in my office on Friday for probably an hour just thinking about this while doing other things (laughs) but just kind of I could not figure out what I wanted to talk about because there are so many different directions that you could go Uh, but I decided uh, i picked actually uh, a piece by or a song really with um uh, a piece called a song called bold riley by in the version by the whale and jennies and i sort of there the whale and jennies they originated in uh, canada and there's they now have one american member but i first heard them live uh and well really at all uh, when i was in my undergrad pretty much by accident I was at a concert in Montana that it was a Ani DeFranco concert, actually. And they just happened to be opening for her. And so I heard them perform. And then it was like <laughs> the main act came on, came on. And the person that I was with, he and I just like, let's go. We don't need to stay through the rest of this concert <laughs> because it was so inc- <laughs> such an incredible opener that it was like, ah, this, I'm no longer interested. But um. Anyway, <laughs> so Sorry, Annie yeah, yeah. Uh, but basically, I you know, I heard this group and it was a little later that I ho- heard their version of Bold Riley. I've heard them probably three or four times in concert now, but I really fell in love with the harmony harmonies and like kind of the lyricism that the group brings, uh, just the way they approach mo- the melodic line and how their voices work together. So the reason I picked this as the piece that kind of affected how I think about music. So it made me realize the incredible way that music can move you um, listening to their music. And again, this piece has influenced the way that like I approach my own playing. I wanted to be able to express the way that they did through their music. So. So in a, in a way, it's changed the way that I approach the tuba, uh, kind of viewing the instrument um, instead of like focusing on okay, how can I be the best tuba player? How can I be the best musician? Simply using the tuba as a vehicle for my musical voice, uh, because kind of up until that point, uh, like I don't sing, as this group knows, <laughs> I. <laughs> I hate singing Mostly because it terrifies me To be honest um, I, don't, I don't know if I really truly hate it But using again my instrument As my actual Like voice And I feel as though And it might sound silly That my musical voice Is expressed through the tuba And I really strongly feel that That like when I, If I'm playing especially something lyrical That that is a true representation Of what I sound like as a musician or as, it may sound strange, but as like my musical voice. Um, In addition to that, so obviously that was pretty huge for me and it really influenced the way I approached my own playing. I approached, uh, especially again, my more lyrical side of playing, but it also uh, changed the way I looked for music to play. So it sort of opened up this very square box with which I previously looked for music so you know like as a tuba player especially nowadays it's like find the flashy high thing and it will be impressive and everyone will love it um, are there except,
3: high things on the
4: tuba
2: <laughs> yeah I mean it's all relative right it's like are there are there low, are there low things still... on the trumpet
3: <laughs> no, no no we don't play anything low we're like the middle of the piano we do yeah nothing that's low. that's fair
2: um but you know it so I you know I, th- and that was never something that I love to do and I still don't I don't love to play super flashy fast high crazy stuff it kind of opened up this notion that to like I can have my musical voice and it can fit in different pieces of music besides these new flashy things that are out there so I can play it basically it just uh, opened up the idea that I can play anything I want. I can look for music that speaks to me as opposed to just looking for, okay, what's the newest, hottest new tuba piece out there? Because there are a lot of new tuba pieces uh, since it's such a young instrument. And then I can make that piece work for the tuba. So it doesn't have to be for the tuba. It doesn't have to be classical, quote unquote classical. Um, It can literally be anything I want to play. So uh, that's kind of been it's been fun to approach music in more in that way and it, to me again i think it just it allows me to express who i am as a musician more more effectively and more truly so so yeah.
3: so like i i just have like so the next time we want you to sing something we'll just have to be like stephanie just pretend you're playing the tuba <sighs> and let it come just like come out of your mouth and i just want to hear you sing like you play the tuba i mean awesome. i do that but, the, here's uh, the thing though
2: is i uh, do that in lessons every day like i sing i sing in my lessons with my students every so single day it. and it doesn't phase me like it's 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 weird <laughs> i'm sure we let's
0: all just try do, to bridge right? that gap and have her yeah. sing through the tuba that's what i want to hear
3: so stephanie you're going to get us a a, a new arrangement of like a waylon jenny's tune right
2: i mean that'd be super cool i've actually thought about doing that i think it could i think it could work actually pretty well
1: yeah totally awesome
3: yeah i love the angle that you came at that and that's that's so great
2: um okay matt
1: what's your game changer
3: okay as you might expect i like had trouble narrowing it down but i'm going to tell you uh, about two, and I'm going to do it really fast since I talk too much all the time. Uh, hey first one is in. <laughs> first <laughs> one is like in high school. I used to listen to, like Duke Ellington, uh, Count Basie, but mostly like Maynard Ferguson, Bill Chase, Wayne Bergeron. Like I was listening to screaming high trumpet players, and that's what I was trying to do. Heck I was like, yeah, yeah that's going to be my life. That's how I'm going to be. My like AOL name on instant messenger was wannabe screamer. All right. So and as many strange looks as that got me from non-musicians, it was truly what I wanted to be as a trumpet player. I'm glad player. we
0: addressed that elephant in the room. Good. Thank you, Matt.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, but like my senior year, I had a teacher that was like, hey, have you ever heard this piece? And and they said it's uh, Mahler's Fifth Symphony. And I had never really gotten into like orchestral trumpet playing. And I, I, I didn't really listen to stuff besides, you know, what came on in the elevator or movies or TV shows. And I loved John Williams scores and that sort of thing. But um, I never really got into it. And then I went to, you know, I went to the, uh, <laughs> what, what was the name of that? Those, those stores, the, the CD stores, like FYE or something like that. <laughs> um, so I went to one of those and I just grabbed the first album I could find. That was, uh, you know, Mahler's Fifth Symphony. And I didn't know anything. And I picked up this recording of the Vienna Philharmonic. I was like, oh, it's European, it must be good. Um, and it turned out to be uh, this really incredible recording uh, Lauren Mazel was conducting. And it was from 1982, which was Hans Gansch. Who, the, it was his first year as principal trumpet. And I had no, I, I didn't know any of that at the time. So I went home, I listened to the first movement And I just sat there with my jaw on the floor because I was like, (laughs) what is this piece? (laughs) You know, what what is this music that is like ripping me apart, but also inspiring me? I didn't listen stupidly. I didn't listen to the rest of the piece because I was so excited to play (laughs) and I transcribed. I took like the next half an hour and I like figured out the entire opening solo and I was just playing it from memory over and over again because I was like, I can sound more like this person, which was never the case listening to Maynard Ferguson. You know, I, I did all that same stuff, like transcribing, like trying to play along with it. And it was the first time I was like, I, I, it just spoke to me way more than, than anything else did. Mm-hmm. And it sort of set me on this path that I was like, I love this, I wanna listen yeah. to this stuff. I can sound like this. And more than I realized, you know, I, I often say, oh, Phil Smith, who is principal of trumpet in New York, was is my model for sound, and that's what I go for now. But I don't think I realized that really and truly my very first model for sound of this, like, sort of orchestral thing was uh, this younger Hans Gansch, who was principal of Vienna for, like, 20 years. And still to this day, I find recordings of him on YouTube, and I'm like, this is amazing. He has just a gorgeous, <laughs>
0: gorgeous sound. You know what um, really, like, freaks me out a little bit? It's... That was the exact same recording that I first listened to Muller Five Four, and I went to Best Buy yes. to get that recording. And it's so weird. That you're like, oh, I have no idea. I felt the same way buying that same daggone <laughs> CD and be. sitting in my car yeah. and listening to it.
3: And oh my gosh! And that's why I'm our so glad we're trumpet So well together.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> our, our entire upbringing. Are we the same person, Matt? <gasps> no, no. Oh. Fine, I see. How that is. <laughs> I don't know. You
2: guys don't seem any different to me. (laughs) Thanks,
0: Stephanie. Why don't you go ahead and sing it for us?
3: (laughs) So then just super fast. um, uh, Sorry. My other piece is uh, it's called Cantus in Memoriam, uh, Benjamin Britten by Arvo Peart. And it was something I found in my music history class. And once I realized, like once I studied and realized the simplicity of it, I'm not going to go into it. But it's essentially an entire piece based on an A minor scale descending A minor scale. That's it. And I was 100% crushed by this piece emotionally. I was like, oh my gosh, I felt so much listening to this thing and it just drew out so much. And that's like the brilliance and the genius of uh, Arvo Pert. But at the same time, I I started, I did sort of what Stephanie did and I stopped, I stopped freaking out about the highest, fastest, uh, loudest things. And I was like, what if I could play something really, really simple, heart-wrenchingly beautifully, and that became, uh, like, that became the way that I wanted to play trumpet from that point on?
2: You, so, you know what's funny it. about that, Matt, is so hmm. on a recital probably about three years ago now, I played Arvo Perich, Spiegel im Spiegel, and oh, yeah, it was yeah, in my that's, school. That's it thing. was. I've played it a number of times, and it's absolutely terrifying to play but it's <laughs> so effective so i know exactly what you yes. mean yeah that stuff yeah is awesome yeah totally oh my gosh well
1: i think we all agree that molar five was definitely a piece that once you heard that for the first time really really did open your ears yeah to all this awesome stuff totally yeah it's so good so good to this day the adagio was still one of my favorites so awesome yay Sarah.
3: It, it took me like a year to listen to the second movement, by the way. <laughs> I'm an idiot.
4: <laughs> awesome. All right, Sarah, what you got on your list? Sure. Well, similar to Stephanie and Matt, I I think it's more the experience, like the memory of an experience that sticks out in my mind and brings me back to a certain piece or a certain um, moment in my life. And so there's I'd say probably my favorite thing that I that really sticks out to me from my past is just this group experience of creating a product with a large group of people. And for me, that happened several distinct separate times in like an orchestra. Um, and so I have like four memories. So there's four pieces that I'll touch upon, but it's really more of the the emotion and the, the feeling of playing with these people. So it doesn't really matter what the piece was, you know, um, it's just that these pieces happen to be amazing. And so it's probably part of the reason that it happened. But, um, but I mean, I can tell you like exactly where we were, you know, what time of day it was. I got goosebumps, like probably once a minute, you know, playing the piece and just like, feeling this real like team, um, effort, you know, like this, this accomplishment that we did together as part of the experience of, of listening to the music and playing the music. Um, so the four pieces that I I recall, they're all, well, most of them are from grad school at IU are, um, Alpine symphony, Mahler six and the Verdi Requiem. And all of them, I think through all of them, oh, and there's one more that wasn't with IU. It was Mahler II. um, That was with a a symphony in um, Ohio. And And, and
3: you forgot about uh, the entire... Mirari renewed, reused, recycled album.
4: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Every moment. Every single moment of of every performance and of that recording. Recording session. Yes. Yes.
4: Yes. (laughs) It was moving. Uh, It was it moved something, yes. Um, so so I mean I just I think it's just with these pieces, they're all like just bombastic pieces, you know, and they have, you know, extra horn players and extra percussionists and I mean Mahler Six has like its own percussion instruments, you know, um, and so the, and Alpine has 22 horns. Well, didn't know that. Yeah, it had, and a wind machine. A, a <laughs> no one else cares people. as much about that <laughs> as you. <laughs> and and I think you know, I just remember performing these and thinking there's nothing like this feeling. Like I seriously feel like I'm on a cloud and I'm not sitting on the ground, and I don't want to leave. You know, like I just remember in Mahler mm-hmm. too like we played the low brass corral and I it just couldn't get better than that you know and um at that time too I was pregnant five months with George and I remember thinking like maybe he's you know maybe this will like turn him into a Mahler fan or something you know having experienced Mahler too from the stage when he was you know five months in utero but um I try to think about those experiences and like what was it about them, because I've had other group experiences, and I'm talking obviously like larger orchestra. Obviously, when I play with you guys, like I really enjoy making music with you, but I'm talking about these like humongous, you know, pieces. Um, yeah. I've had other experiences where it's just not magical, and it probably should be, you know, like I played Symphony Fantastique, I've played, um, you know, Brahms I played a lot of great pieces, but what was it about those specific experiences that really? kind of like changed things for me and it was that most of the people on stage if not all of them and the conductor were super passionate about what they were doing you know we all wanted to be there we all wanted to play and we all want to play that piece with each other and i think that's that says a lot you know everybody's really committed uh we all came in prepared we had listened to the piece before we had practiced our parts we weren't nobody was sight reading you know everybody walked in with the reverence of this piece, this composer, and we were ready to go. Um, It was amazing music in all cases, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and we all, we all had bought into like, we are going to commit to making a product that is greater than the sum of the parts. You know, I can practice Mm -hmm. my trombone part and the the second flautist can practice their flute part. But together when you put all like 60 or 70 people, this is a product we can only create together. And so I think those are, you know, some things I took away with from that was that those things really matter. You know, when you really come in prepared, you love the music, you are convinced that you're going to make the best possible product, it changes things. And so I, you know, I seek those experiences whenever I can, you know, great repertoire, a great ensemble that is really bought in, buying into their product and their performance. Yeah, I'm totally there. So those are the those were my memories that I, I look for and I try to recreate whenever I can. And as you can probably tell, I try to pass along these lessons to my students too. You know, you show up prepared. Have you practiced your music? Have you listened to the recordings? Do you know how the you know the other parts go in the brass section or in the in the woodwind section or string section? And um, really encourage them to be prepared for their musical experiences as well. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's awesome. I love That's that. great. Peyton, you're up.
0: Okay, so this is going to sound stupid, and I want you to get on the, the train with me because I'm going to take you for a journey. <laughs> um, so, so the question was, like, what piece or two pieces kind of helped shape you or change you in so many ways? But mine kind of started with, like, when I was my senior year of high school. Let's just say I um, – Peyton's kind of dumb. In high school, I mean, you can say that now. I'm sure. I'm sure Matt is thinking that immediately. Um, (laughs)
3: Every time we get on a call,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. I feel that. I'm I'm hurt, but I'll take it. It's fun. So in high school, I didn't start taking lessons until my senior year, obviously to prep to go into my undergraduate. And lo and behold, I I had a wonderful teacher. His name was Steve uh, Hendrick in in Roanoke, Virginia. Hi, Steve. If you're listening, you're a man. Um, I don't know if he listens to podcasts. He's kind of old now, so see, don't take offense to that. <laughs> if you, do listen. Um, you can send anyways, him a transcript of it. Th- that's what we should do, totally. Um, but anyways, I, um, I ended up just kind of figuring a lot of stuff out with him. And before I left um, high school to go into the summer before my, my first college experience, he gave me a, a, a kind of like a bootleg copy of the ITG Contest Solos for Young Trumpeter CD. And oh. at that point in my life, and this this goes back to me being stupid, I never actually knew what trumpet and piano repertoire was. I, growing up in high school, I just knew band music. All trumpets play a band and orchestra. I didn't know there was trumpet and piano music, right? Yeah. So, and I don't know if any of you guys ever experienced that either, just kind of having, like, a whole new genre open up to you for your instrument. I mean, I, I, I didn't, and I, and I openly admit I was stupid. Um, but... With that, I went home and I listened to that CD, and I can remember now sitting on the edge of my bed, looking at the CD player in my room and just staring into it, being like, holy crap, this is amazing. This sounds so good. And obviously, as I went through my undergraduate, I, I knew those pieces. I, I learned you know, more about it. But that recording, going back to something Matt said, that recording was done by Joseph Turin and Phil Smith. And so for me, that was like the first step into, holy crap, this trumpet sound is amazing and so i didn't know the various pieces i just knew track fours was a good one that i liked to listen to <laughs> and i had no clue it was you know a certain piece or by a certain composer and lo and behold i get into my undergraduate a little bit and i think just kind of being experienced and exposed to to sound at that kind of crucial point in my life i really just started to listen to li- to listen to more and yeah, everything kind of goes back to, to, to Phil Smith in so many ways. And I, and I hate—and my students here at, at the University of Utah really make fun of me for this because <laughs> I always throw Phil Smith recordings. If, if we're playing a standard piece in the repertoire, I always throw Phil Smith recordings in because for me, that is the voice uh, in the trumpet that I want to have. I, and, it, and so many people say that all over the world and all over country, and I get that. And But like for me, like when I play— Sometimes I shut my own ears off and just pretend that that his sound is coming out of my bill. The way I articulate, the way I do vibrato, the way I I shape notes, everything is based on that. And that's why, in in the way I teach, I focus so much on, like, trumpet is equivalent to language. Like, how do we learn to speak? We learn to speak by listening to, like, Rosetta Stone. And Rosetta Stone's, like, um, you know, giving, giving you phrases. Like, you wouldn't learn how to speak French for me. Right. Because I'm from Southwest Virginia and I'm, a, I'm a, you know, a little bit of a redneck. So you don't want to go to France and say, bonjour, how you do know, you know, you don't want any of that. And so I tell my students, hey, make sure you're listening to, to recordings and trying to ingrain that sound. Well, lo and behold, my undergraduate teacher, uh, Dr. John Adler, uh, let let me hear a piece that he kind of worked on in his master's. And it was Joseph Turnin's Trumpet Concerto. And I fell in love with it because, obviously, it's Turin again, and I, and I really love Joseph Turin's writing and the way he uses our instrument, uh, the trumpet, specifically. But at the same time, it was Phil Smith playing it, and it was with uh, the New York Philharmonic, and it, it kind of changed my life a little bit. And so for a long time, I just kind of sat exploring this piece over and over and over and over and over again. And it took all the way till my second year of my doctorate to actually get up the nerve to, to really and truly prepare that piece and i took it to the national trumpet competition and lo and behold i ended up winning that year but the long too long didn't read version of my my story is a little bit of exposure to phil smith at a very crucial point in my life led me to that piece that in so many ways helped kind of change my life and it sounds kind of stupid to to be thinking like a single piece can change your life but as you've heard like you know like Sarah, Stephanie, Matt, and I'm, I'm assuming Jesse's going to talk about it unless Jesse just takes a hard left field turn and be like, <laughs> I like Metallica Screamo, and that, that just really gets me going. Um, but like at the end of the day, it did. It changed my life because it, it allowed me to focus on different things that I had never thought about in my own playing. And I owe a lot to who I am as a player from having that crucial moment in my life where I could really dig into the nuts and bolts of like, engaging my listening engaging what i'm hearing and trying to replicate that my own playing um, to who i am today yeah i mean yeah i have a lot of fundamental things that i'm still working out duh we all are but i think what helped shape who i am as a musician was listening to that cd to get my interest sparked and then diving into that piece to try to replicate the sound that i was hearing so yeah
1: that's awesome yeah i Sarah, I was thinking about this very similarly as you were. It's just kind of, I feel like my life has been, it's like marked by these pieces. So like there's this really significant moment and it's significant because it's the first time I heard this piece or the first time I could feel that way listening to a piece of music or sharing it with somebody else. Um, Obviously I have a, like... I, I was just, like, making a list. I'm like, oh, what are the pieces I think are really cool? And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm going to have to scale this down just a little bit. Bring um, it
3: back a little bit.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, I think kind of, like, first pivotal, Peyton, what you were saying about just, like, hearing a piece of music and being like, oh. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I something, like, I get this way more now. And um, I mean, I've been listening to music my whole life. Both of my parents were amateur musicians and they love music, they love classical music. We listen to it all the time in the house. So I was hearing music a lot. Um, but when I was in middle school, um, we went to go see the Buffalo Philharmonic and they performed Appalachian Spring. And I think I was literally the only person who was like, A, ugly crying by the end of the piece and just like not blinking, just mouth open and hearing it live. Yeah, I mean, it was just like I mean, it was literally like I I've i never felt like literally felt music like that. For and those I think of you was, at home, you know, to Matt,
0: show. just try to replicate what Jesse was experiencing visually. For I just us. I'm just this picturing this like
3: cartoon version of Jesse with like her mouth like <laughs> wide open and eyes wide open and tears like you know shooting like up
1: waterfall. shooting. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, totally. That's kind of what it was like. And it was like the neat part was is like you get so, like, I don't remember anything else that was going on. It was so focused on that particular thing. And I think a lot of these moments that I've had, it's like, you know, I I like I don't even remember anybody else around me. You know, it's just like this real, like, moment where you're really connecting with yourself and your soul. And I'm an empath, so I feel things really, really hard. It's kind of the, may- the way I move through the world. So to be able to experience other people and other people's lives and, um, obviously human experience it's like music is the way for me um i think it's really opened my eyes to a lot of things in my life by feeling those things from other people and then being able to kind of sort through them um another piece uh, musicals for me are, are big things one because they're so interactive and you see it live and certainly i remember you know seeing west side story for the first time i actually played in the pit for that when I was at IU and luckily I was on the wall closest to the audience. Yes. So I actually got to see the show too. And I was like sitting almost right next to the conductor. He's like, hey, don't you miss an entrance. And I was like, I totally got this. <laughs> it was so great. Um, so uh, it, it like it's just such good music. And like when you get to play it and watch it and just be in it. It was almost like being a performer and being an audience member at the same time. It's just like I got to play these things and viscerally like, do it. And then I got to sit back and enjoy what was um, actually happening and just kind of let that um, wash over me. Um, The Rookert Leader by Mahler. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I just remember hearing, like there's this one part in the fifth movement where the singer, it's actually the piece, or the recording I listened to was with uh, Dame Janet Baker. She's amazing. And she sings this note and it's so tiny and she just uses no vibrato and it's literally like suspended in time. It was just, like, every time I hear it, I'm, like, holding my breath. Like, and I actually showed this piece to Jason, the guy who asked this question. (laughs) He was, like, there's no vibrato. And I was, like, I know. Oh, my God. We were, like, totally free. And it's so fun to, like, just that thing that just makes it, it, like, explodes. Like, it's almost like you can see it. Um, It was so amazing. And, Matt, I'm with you on the Arvo pair. When, like, just the effects that he gets in his music and that kind of return to tonality that just kind of washes over you and, Verkler zu Nacht was a game changer for me as far as like Schoenberg. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, how he's pairing this together with art and poetry. And you, like, you almost don't even need the poem to know what's happening. That if you really get in touch with yourself as a human being, you know what's going on um, in his mind. And just that he was so different, you know, from somebody like Beethoven. I remember falling in love with the second movement of the Fifth Symphony. It's the most beautiful, like, just those the wind players, you know, and the sound that he created. It's like unmistakable. And then you go and you hear something like very to knock, which is easily just as emotional um, and maybe almost biographical to a certain degree, but total different language, um, but that you can feel it. Um, it's just like when we have feelings and they come in different hues and gradations and like, like just being able to like literally feel that and experience that in your body. And then of course doing that, like Sarah, I mean, I, we played on Alpine. And I, I've never felt sitting on stage like that. I played the Berlioz Requiem and I was right center of the orchestra. And we started playing that second movement with all the brass bands. And I was just like, it's shaking, literally. Like, I'm like, how is anybody playing at this point? It's just so overwhelming. um, And just to like, there's nothing like that. Um, And listening to recordings is great. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to do is to invite people over. Everybody who's been to my house, which is, three of the four of you, we've done this, where we listen to music together. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my favorite part. <laughs> you know, um, those, so, I sorry, love Peyton. doing
3: that. Yeah, Payton's yeah. not allowed in the
0: stage. Thanks a Tennessee. lot, Yeah, yeah, right. just noticed
1: that. You're not invited. Just I haven't had time yet. <laughs>
0: three of the but, four of you, and I, that's, <laughs> that's a personal statement. And I <laughs> took offense to that.
1: Exactly, you know, and one last thing that I'll kind of say is that, um, you know, I, I'm certainly not a composer. Um, you know, I was always like, I, I love listening to music, playing other people's music and, and interpreting it and figuring out, you know, what what's the emotion and how can I express that through me. Um, but I took a hand um, at working on a project and, you know, writing some stuff and it was kind of unbelievable. I mean, it's certainly not like, you know, Schoenberg or Beethoven or anything like that, but just to start and just let it go and see where it goes and just find sounds that you like that come from you and how ideas, like things bounce around in your head and how they come out. And so it wasn't necessarily about the quality of that work, but it was literally going through the process of letting all of this stuff in me out that came from me. It wasn't me like narrating someone else's story. It was me really kind of sharing my own, which I, I think that that was such like a kind of great experience to see it from that side, uh, that side too. So. Um, so I know we threw a lot of music at everybody today, but what we can do is we can make a playlist and we'll post it on our Instagram and Facebook pages. So if anybody's interested in kind of finding some of those pieces and and experiencing that magic, I would say get a really good set of speakers where that you can crank it, um, and listen to some of these pieces. It's they're, yeah, life changing, I think. And, and, and just that we've all have mentioned a lot of the same pieces, I think, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. So we'll be happy to share some of those things. And of course, if anybody listening has some pieces that they would like to share, by all means, post that stuff. We'll get that added to a list. And um, it's nice to stay connected that way and share music and um, hear some really, really good stuff, especially when we can't all be together necessarily uh, making that music. Um, so like I said, this has been awesome. Thank you for everybody for sending in questions. Um, this was a really great question. I, I I really enjoyed kind of thinking about what this was. So thanks again, Jason, uh, for for shooting that question out there and being a listening buddy and an art buddy for me too. Um, it's been it's been great. But thank you guys too for sharing. I, I love hearing those stories.
3: I know. I was just thinking it gets me like, so excited. I was thinking like I don't think I knew those things about you all, and so yes, like hearing definitely. that. Uh, about you means that the next time we get to sit down and play stuff together it's going to be different you know so I'm glad I'm glad we're getting a chance to talk about this stuff as well yeah me too me
1: too.
0: Well, awesome. I think, Thanks, everyone. I think this is this is a wonderful point in our conversation to really make sure that while you guys are at home, um, you're trying to find new pieces that, that move you and change you and help shape who you are as a human as well. Um, but at the same time, I want to make sure that you're always staying happy, you're staying healthy, um, and that you always stay, stay unmuted. unmuted. Thanks, Thanks, guys.